Okay. Today on the Metaphysical Mysteries, uh, Tom and I have our guest, Christine Gerganis. She's an RN, and she's also a psychic medium. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Pretty good, Terry. How you doing? I don't know. You're the medium. You can tell me. <laughs> I think you're doing pretty good today. Fantastic. Hey, um, so today, um, I mean, you got a huge background, and uh, I know you started in the psychic medium world with many generations in your family. Um, you want to kind of give people a kind of an update where you're at and introduction, I guess I should say. Well, I was trained since I was four years old and I was trained by my great grandmother in the spiritual aspect after church, we would play games. And today I actually train children to do the same thing that are gifted and that have showed gifts. And I train them like I was trained. And I do a lot with healing and modalities of healing arts. I use science and metaphysics together. And I use a way of teaching that people understand because I teach them how to do it for themselves. I don't wanna be anybody's guru. I want them to learn for themselves it's real. You can do it. It's not that hard. You just have to focus. Gotcha. So you, you said you played games with, uh, was a grandmother, I think? Yes. Um, yeah. And so the games is not, this is not Monopoly or life. This is games that, you know, for the listener, games that are going to help your intuition. Uh, give me an example of what one of those games well, might be. She used to make it a lot of fun. We used to play hide and go seek, but we wouldn't play the traditional way. She would hide things and she would give us a color and she would tell us that's your color for today. It's in this area on this floor of the house. You have to go find everything that's this color. And she would show us a sample of the color and it had to be exactly that color, not another hue of that color. Because that didn't count. You could bring it to her, but she wouldn't give you credit for it. And whoever got the most got the prize. Now there are three prizes, as you can tell. I was really good at that game because I got the most cookies. <laughs> if you got the least amount, you got a nickel. And back in the day, a nickel, you could go around to the corner store and get an um, ice cream pop for it. So nice. you could get on your bike and you could ride around the corner and you get an ice cream pop. But if you're really good at the game, you got a stack of peanut butter cookies. Nice. And to this day, they're still my favorite. No, yeah. I love peanut butter cookies. Um, we would play tin, pin, pin the tail on the donkey everybody's birthday game you would go to birthday parties and i'd be like mm, i don't want to play and they'd be like why i'm like because i'm gonna win <laughs> and i wanted every birthday party and after a while people would be like she can't play that game that's not allowed she cheat <laughs> yeah there you go there you go um we would we would sit in healing circle there were seven of us and she would teach us how to rotate energy forward and a person in front of you, your hands would go on their shoulder or wherever on their body, whether it was their hips or their arm, wherever you could reach that you felt the energy was in balance. Or you could put it on their shoulders and send the energy to that area. And the so, person getting the healing would have to tell you where it was going or they'd have to put their hand there. Okay, so for the listeners, uh, a healing circle, what the heck is that? Well, it's hands-on healing. It's similar to Reiki or energy healing or shamanic healing because we use, in shamanic healing, we use the elements of the earth. In Reiki, we use transcendental energy from the mind and in the spirit, and we use symbols. 
So a lot of people tend to use Reiki together with shamanic. I use Reiki, Donna Eden's energy medicine, shamanic, and my hands-on, which is how I was taught. And you see how red my hands get. Just talking about it, my hands are like, oh, okay, where are we going to heal at? Who are we going to heal? And sometimes <laughs> the kids will just come to me and they would tell me when they were little, mommy magic. And they would come and they'd ring their boo-boos and I'd give a little kiss and I'd do a little figure eight and I'd put my hands on a heel. They'd be like, oh, okay, thanks, mommy. While they would go to school, <laughs> the nurse, because I would tell them the nurse at school is the mommy at school. You go see the mommy at school, she'll fix it. You kick her or your boobers. Oh, okay, mommy. Well, one time my, he was, I think he was seven at the time, went to the school nurse and I was good friends with the nurse. And she said, she called me and she says, I have a problem. I said, oh Lord, what happened? Is everything okay? She's like, what's mommy magic? And how come I'm broken? <laughs> I'm so sorry. She goes, you have a higher nursing degree than I do, but what is it and how does it work? I'm like, Oh, well, it's a combination of hands-on healing and a little bit of love and tenderness. And you just like pick your eights, kiss it, blow on it, hold the energy and let them go. She goes, she didn't use band-aids or any of that. I said, well, if there's a little scratch, I put a little Neosporin on it. Do a little figure eight and tell them it's okay. So, so the children love it because uh, it's easy. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. And I think what people don't realize is they, um, when you talk about energy, um, you're, you're talking about what wafts off people. We see auras on people and things of that nature. And, and uh, we know scientifically that that exists, that energy pattern around a human being exists. And I think what you described is a way some practitioners use to tap into that and then to uh, apply it towards, in this case, little kids. And they don't necessarily understand it in a scientific way, but, but it certainly does exist uh, and we can measure that. I don't know, Tom, if you got with what you do from a science perspective, um, would you concur with that? Absolutely. I think what you're picking up on is the human biofield and the way it emits at different um, frequencies out from the body. And you can tap into those different frequencies and create the healing by fixing the energy disruptions. Yeah. So that's what it sounds like. And, and also, even when you, uh, they start talking, Chris can chime in here at some point, but uh, when they start talking about mediums, they always say, you know, I want to tune into something. And I always tell them, it's, it's kind of like a radio, you know, a radio dial, one of the old ones. You have to kind of move a little this way, a little that way. And what that's really kind of doing is what Tom's saying is using your mind to kind of move through that biofield to pick up on particular energies uh, that you can that you can do and scientifically in the back of the head when they do CAT scans they can see that part of the brain lighting up when mediums are connecting. Uh, with oh something. well I gotta tell you Psychology Today back in 2012 already had it down to a single photon emission CT where they could actually measure they took 10 mediums some five that were truly experienced that had years of experience and five new ones and it was a great study terry and they watched the different areas light up and the quantum fields of energy go down for the experienced ones and up for the inexperienced ones because they were trying so hard and the and the actual experienced ones went into like an alpha state and they were just like really relaxed and everything chilled out and it was really it was an awesome idea of how they they looked at it. And they also have some other ones in PubMed and NIH just came out with one. 
from Malaysia. Hold, hold that thought on, on the NIH. Let's go back to, you talked about alpha. So there's, you know, alpha, beta, gamma. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. And that's your brainwave activity all the way down to where you're sleeping and totally awake. You want to tell people a little bit about that? Well, basically, either, either one of you. <laughs> well, for me as a medium, I kind of go from alpha to beta to theta. It depends how deep in I'm going into a situation. If you just ask me, okay, I have a question quick, boom. And I just go into like an alpha state and I'm like, okay, there's your answer, boom. If you're asking me to do something a little more decisive and a little bit more talking to the spirits, going into another realm, you might see me go into beta. If it's even deeper, I might go into a deep meditative state and do theta. You know, so for me, it's steps and how much energy do I need to focus and how well do I need to come up with a long answer, short answer, or just a like bam answer. Yeah. And, and so alpha is like a light meditative state. It, and some people walk around in alpha a lot, uh, you know, maybe 80% of their time, they could be walking around, if they're well-trained, they could walk around in alpha all the time. Uh, and I think that's where empaths have problems where their alpha is open all the time and they're constantly getting flow and they need to, you know, kick the brainwave up a little bit to kind of shut it off. And people are constantly calling saying, hey, I, I can't shut this off. What do I do? Uh, is there any tricks you would recommend to somebody who's trying to shut off that uh, information they're getting? Oh, I have a whole, I have a whole class I do on empaths and how to control it, how to, how to work with it so that you're not always getting run over by the Mack truck, or as I say, being everybody's air filter. You don't want to be everybody's 3M air filter. You just want to be your air filter. And I show them how to use it, how to manipulate it, how to ground it, clear it, use protection. There's a lot of steps to it. And so it's if there really if there exciting. was if there was an empath out there just right now and the simplest thing they could do to to ground out or or whatever it is you would recommend what's the simplest thing they didn't have to be all of them just the one that works the best for the most people square breathing grounding in nature and pulling all your energy into you how do you ground in nature um, I use grounding in nature. You stand in the water, you stand in the, you stand in the grass in your bare feet, you take a walk, you stand up against a tree, put your left foot up, your right foot down. Use the energy of what's around you. You don't have to do anything fancy. People okay. that can get to moving water that's attached to the earth is great. Rivers, creeks, ponds, streams, oceans, you know, whatever they got available. You only have to go in ankle deep. You don't have to be an Olympic swimmer to do this. And just release relax, release, restore. That's my motto. Gotcha. Gotcha. Tom, you had a question? Yeah. The other thing with the grounding that might be useful, there was one particular company called earthing.com. And for those that don't have the ability to get outside, maybe because of weather, the seasonal issues and such, they have various things like sheets and mats and grounding straps. When you're working at the computer, you can accomplish this. And the other big thing, aside from the metaphysical value, what they're finding is with grounding, it helps reduce inflammation, which we're finding is the cause of many of diseases that people suffer from. So you're going to get a two-for-one benefit out of doing it. Yeah, so a lot of people take the uh, turmeric curcumin for anti-inflammation. This is something else you can add, and you don't have to buy it. You just got to walk outside and do it. So it's a little cheaper <laughs> for, for those of us who are really cheap. So... So Chris, let me, let me uh, change directions here for a minute. Uh, so psychic versus medium. Now I know that all 
mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. Uh, and we might want to go through that with people. I'll say that again for the listener who probably said, what the heck did he just say? All mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. You want to take it from there? Tell it's us the like difference. a ladder. You have your intuits, you have your psychics, you have your mediums, you have your spirit, and you have your healers. And it depends what part and how integrated your care for yourself and how much training you've had and what your spiritual abilities and trust level is. Because if you don't have a spiritual trust-based foundation built, it doesn't matter what the science says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. You're going to block yourself internally. You're going to put scripts in your mind that says, I can't, I can't do that. I can't accomplish that. Therefore, you can't. If you're open and you allow yourself just to be a channel for energy to flow as is intended. And if you see whether it's a scientific study that shows, you know, that quantum energy versus regular EMF energy and how it connects us to each other and us to the universe. So if you allow that energy to be just flowing, and if there's not a clog in the energy channels, then you can feel it and you can embrace it. Now, a psychic might see things, see them in pictures, get feelings, get emotions. But a medium is going to get all of that, and they're going to be able to talk to people in the spirit world. They're going to be able to access the, what I call the interdimensional realms of angels and spirits and guides and you know Native Americans, whoever your go-to people are. I have like five different realms that I deal with on a regular basis. And then after that, you get your you're running into your spiritual and your I am ability and your conversations with God. And then you run into your healing abilities. And some people see it as a back and forth kind of flow between um, medium healer and spiritualist because there's different flows. Because as you develop your gift, you end up having to bring up all those blocks that you put in in life before you came to that point. So and you have to clear if, if you were wanting to know something, oh, let's say about your health, would you go to a psychic or a medium? Um, I would go to a medium before I would go to a psychic mm -hmm. because a medium, if they're progressing correctly, they would be able to do imaging in their mind and see a holistic, it's almost like a hologram standing next to you and just ask the higher powers, okay, what do you see? Show it, light it up. And it's almost like a figure and they light up different areas. And when I ask them about those areas, they tell me, okay, they're having shoulder pain on the right side because of this. They're having neck pain on the left side and it goes down to the middle of the, the left chest area. They pull the muscle there. Okay, what's wrong over here? Oh, that's not a bone or a muscle, that's an organ problem. Or there's an in-path problem with the um, electrical in the inside of their knee. But when you look at it on a healing map for meridians or um, acupuncture, then you find out, oh, that's the gallbladder. And gallbladder is anger. So you ask them, what are you angry about? And they look at you and they go, how do you know I'm angry about something? <laughs> like, well, it's on your right side. Yeah. So um, what man are you pissed off at? <laughs> well, let's get to the bottom root of things. So when you put all the knowledge together, it depends how elevated you are as a healer. Yeah. And so um, that takes me to the, the question, I guess. Uh, 
Well, let me, let me just say for those people who are listening and you might want to find out a little bit more about the healing aspect and, and looking through it almost like a CAT scan in a way, um, there's a book out there called Adam Dream Healer. Uh, this guy who wrote it uh, didn't even use his real name because he was 16, I think, when the book was originally published. And uh, he did very similar stuff to what you just described. And you can just see the entire body as an outline and you just kind of start at the top and you're just kind of going down like this and there'll be spots on there and you can actually go talk to that spot and say, hey, what are you and who are you and what are you, what are you doing here? What's this all about? Where to come from? What are we going to do to get rid of it? That kind of thing. And he's written several books since and he's you know, much older than 16 at this point. But that's a really good book to get started for somebody who might just be interested in how they actually do it. I'm not saying if you read it, you can do it. Uh, that's a developmental process, but, but it's a good book. So, and that's very scientific and many, um, uh, regular allopathic, you know, doctors, MDs and stuff, I know, have utilized some of those healers. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's not something they come out in public with, but I know that it's done. And, and, and they call them whatever, consultants or whatever the case may be, um, to try to get something if they can't figure it out. And th that's the open ones, the ones that know there is something there. And I do feel kind of... Um, a little sad for the ones that go all the way through medical schools and never get exposed to anything we're talking about here. Uh, it's just simply not done for some obvious reasons. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. And, you know, there you go. But I always say, hey, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of a wind. You know, how do you see high blood pressure? That's kind of hard to actually see, but you can see the effect of it and what's going on. Tom, you got stuff you do that's similar to that. I know you work with a lot of PTSD guys and so forth. You, there's emotions there. You can't see those, but they're real. Oh, it definitely has its impact. The various emotions we're finding gravitate to different parts of the body. And you can almost go back in time and kind of what you were describing. You can almost tell where it started and by whom and what the scenario was. And once we clear that energy, the body wants to naturally heal itself. So a lot of times as practitioners in the healing world, we're just getting stuff out of the way. I always say it's above my pay grade. I'm just a messenger showing you what the problem is. Yeah, that's true. And I, I really think it's important to understand, Chris, what, what you do uh, is in a natural sense, um, Tom is actually applying uh, science and, and instrumentation to be able to do something very, very similar. Uh, so I think the future will take... I won't say it's ever going to take away from the psychic medium. I think it's just going to enhance what they do because they too could use some of that equipment to more fine tune it perhaps. Or when the, when the person with the instrument, it kind of goes outside their normal algorithm and they look at you and go, what the heck is this? And you say, well, it's this. And then if they check it out, sure enough, it is. So I think it can work in combination with each other pretty well. Well, it's so. verification, Terry. Yeah. And it's awesome because finally science is catching up with metaphysics. Metaphysics isn't catching up with science. Science is just like, ooh, ooh, that might be real. Absolutely. And I will say to, um, to the listeners, too, um, we start talking about psychics and getting the impression. And then mediums, the actual term medium kind of comes from you have people on the other side that are very high uh, frequency, so to speak, high vibration. And then um, people on the low side uh, in physical body or lower vibration, but the medium is able to get their vibration up high enough that they are talking to somebody who lowers from the other side. They talk 
with them by them lowering and they get in the middle, which is then medium. They get medium where that's how they actually are able to, able to make that connection. I think people need to kind of get a concept of that in their mind and that's how you do it. So when, when was the first time that you ever um, talked to somebody from the other side? And how, what was that experience like for you? When I was four. <laughs> okay. Michael and I were buddies, and I used to run around playing cowboys and Indians with him. So how would you know, how would, you, how would a person know that it's uh, the Archangel Michael, uh, other than some, you know, he, uh, angel assigned to you? He told me he was God's, God's buddy, and he was an angel, and he was a warrior, and he was sent to play with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was very sad because the older children wouldn't play with me because they thought I was too young and I was dumb and they didn't want to play games with me. So I went out in the backyard and I picked up some sticks and I started making friends with the little people in the backyard, the fairies, the gnomes, the angels. Then I climbed up a tree and I got a branch and then there was this big angel that stood next to the tree and I was like, well, who are you and where'd you come from? You look like the angel from church. Did you follow us home from church? I thought he came home from church with us. <laughs> because, um, no, God sent me. So we started playing and my grandmother's out in the backyard. She comes out and she says, um, what you doing? Nothing, I'm playing with my friend. We're playing Cowboys and Indians. You wanna play? <laughs> she was like over the moon. That's when she decided we should all have lessons because if I was seeing them, I should be included in the lessons. They, they, she had taught the others, not every Sunday, but like every other Sunday. And they weren't like always into it. But when I decided to pop up and play with angels, she decided she better have a talk with my father. And my father said to her, what are you talking about? She's, so she's out in the backyard playing with Archangel Michael. They're <laughs> having a sword fight. She's up in a tree. Father's like... <laughs> all right Annie whatever you say so, so for, for those that are listening I was going to say that might be uh, a bit much for a lot of people listening and they're like holy crap is that really true <laughs> you know does this really happen and then you even talked about the the little people um and I'll, all I will say is for those that don't uh, necessarily understand that um little people um the different dimension uh is what um Everybody says they're slightly different dimension, and they tend to show up for people who have a childlike mind or able to put themselves into a childlike mind state. Um, Edgar Casey, of course, I'm a huge Edgar Casey fan, and for those of you who are unfamiliar, he's the, the sleeping prophet. Um, he has the, uh, well, he, of course, he died in 1945, but he did over 14,000 readings, and he was a trance medium. He would go to sleep, not remember a thing when he woke up, but uh, but he was quite a fundamentalist Christian, too, so it was kind of hard for him to swallow after the fact some of these things that, revelations that he would have. But anyway, one of the things he said was that was the case. Um, there are brownies, there are fairies, there are gnomes, there are sprites, and, and that's a little much for a lot of people to take until they see one. And then they're like, holy cow, that's really true. Uh, but I will say that his, his take on it was that they needed to have a childlike, you know, mind or be able to put themselves in that. And I know that uh, there was one story about his uh, son, 
uh, Edgar Casey's son, and he was an adult at this time. I think Edgar had already passed, but um, he was at the ARE grounds in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and and there was a uh, little brownie, I believe it was, in a uh, tree, and he was looking at it. Some other people were able to see it, and he said, if you go get a camera, I will let you take my picture, and so some other people were coming out to see what, they couldn't see it, but enough saw that that's what they did. And then the question was asked of his son, how come you can see it and I can't? It's just because he's got his mind in that position to be able to see it. It's not blocking it. So, um, you know, we weren't going to get into little people today, but I just, for those that heard that, I just want to kind of clarify a little bit what that means exactly. And uh, so let, tell me one of the, um, tell me one of the most exciting uh, mediumship things that you've ever, ever done something that really stands out? Um, talking to God. Yeah. How's that go? Oh my gosh. It was, it was fabulous. The first time I ever talked to God and saw his face and his energy, I always knew his presence. I just never saw his face and I never held his energy like that. And it, I just stood there and cried. Mm -hmm. And I was in, I'd say a Thea state. I woke up, I was served. And everybody around me was like, what just happened? <laughs> I went to see the boss. <laughs> and they were like, the boss? I was like, well, you know, the buck stops at God's desk, but I call him the boss. You might call him something else. I said, yeah. he rules my life. And they were laughing at me. And they said, well, why are you so upset? I said, his love is just so enormous. And his mercy for us. And his caring. I said, it was just overwhelming. And my yeah. question in the meditation for him was, how do I help those that come to me and how do I heal them? And he gave me the ability to heal. He heightened the ability that I already had. Nice. And he showed me an exact way to do it. Okay. So when people go back biblically and they look at Jesus and how he healed, uh, I'm assuming that what you were shown is uh, how to do it like Jesus did it in some capacity. Um, it was much more advanced than what I had learned to this date, whether it was Reiki or shamanic. And he showed golden rays coming out of his hands. Like I even say it, and my hands like light up like little Christmas trees and my fingers want to like heal something. And he showed the gold coming out of his palm and into my palm and into my being. And he showed me being one of him, one with him. And he says, all you have to do is come into the I am energy and you shall be able to heal mm -hmm. infinitely. I said, from a distance? He said, I said infinitely. I was like, okay, do y'all. I got it infinitely. Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out later. Because <laughs> right. I was just so overblown that I always ask a lot of questions because I want to be sure I got it right. I'm gotcha. very precise and scientific where I want to know what the rules are. Give me the box and I'll figure it out in between. Right. I would say, and then, you know, Jesus healed so many and, you know, uh, crippled limbs and all that sort of thing. And I, I want people to understand that, you know, I obviously uh, the master soul, as Edgar Casey called him, um, he had perfected that, you know, at the highest possible level. Uh, and I think scientifically, I believe the theory is that it was a 
intelligent photonic transference from a high vibration into a low vibration area. So like a sickness or illness would be low vibration. And um, obviously, you know, perfection would be high vibration. High vibration um, dissipates low vibration and a healing takes place in a very swift manner. Now, I'm not saying that all these folks out here who claim to be healers can do it like that. Um, and each one has got their own set of gifts and their own belief system uh, to, you know, get themselves to that state. But uh, I think we're learning a lot about it from a scientific point of view. And I don't know, Tom, if you've got anything to add to that. Yeah, the other part of the boat, the biophotons, they're finding in some diseases, sometimes it's a lack of energy like you're describing. Other times it's overexcitation. So there's too much energy. So what they're finding is the body actually needs to be within a certain range to run optimally. So these healings may be more in line with putting the correct information energetically into the biofield, more so than maybe just, as we always talk about, jump-starting or juicing up the person. Right. Well, that balance. makes sense. Well, yeah, balance. And, and the, for Reiki uh, practitioners, uh, any good Reiki master is going to tell you that you know they're going to put Reiki in uh, with some level of intent, but the ultimate intent is to make them better, whether that means toning it down or kicking it up, Reiki being intelligent. Um, you know, it's, I would say it's like a good dog. You tell a photon to go in and sit and stay, <laughs> they will, and they'll do what they're supposed to do because they have all the intelligence wrapped up in a photon is, is basically what a lot of folks say. Um, I think uh, scientifically to prove that's going to take some years yet to get it done but that's the the working theory i think that a lot of people are using yeah it's starting to emerge now we're starting to see the research articles showing in certain diseases the overexcitation and others it's an under lighting of the of the person so to speak absolutely so it might help the audience given what we're talking about today maybe a little bit about your classical training to balance off the metaphysical training well i've been trained in feng shui as a master, I'm a nurse with a BSN from a major university. I work with energy healing. I do, I practice for myself, Donna Eden's energy medicine, and I try to regulate and ground my own energy. And I am a shaman. I've trained for seven years and I've been graduated in the last year and a half to a shaman level. And so I'm no longer a trainee. Um, I use all of the components of all the layers of all the knowledge, whether it's a meditation class mixed with a healing class. And I use them like an onion. They're like forms of an onion and you just have to peel back the layers. And in the medical sciences, I know what parts of the body do what functions inside the body and how they interact with each other. But on a metaphysical side, and I know that, you know, the right side does one thing, the left side does another thing, and what they represent in the body. And like I was telling you earlier, you know, if you've got gallbladder issues, to me, that's anger. You know, metaphysically, you're telling me it's anger. So why is your gallbladder upset? Let's talk about really who you're pissed off at. Oh, you got pain on the left side? Okay. What person in the female gender are you really mad at? And you can kind of like use the clues the body's giving you with all the layers of information. And you can look at the gallbladder and say, okay, what else as a nurse? What diet are you having? You know, what other problems are you having? And I can look at their skin tone and I can look at their physical body and I can also see for clues there. So I use it all together 
And I do some research for clients when the angels tell me, you know, there's another layer here that we're not seeing. And they'll guide me in that direction. And then I'll do some, I'll do some research through NIH or PubMed or one of those and see what kind of scientific answers I can come up with. So I can blend the science and the metaphysical together. A lot of hospitals today and a lot of colleges are doing that. And I think that's great you share that because I know that traditionally so many people from the classically trained medical world would shy away from this. They might have had experiences, things they dealt with with their patients, but they're left unexplained. And we want to really try to bridge that science and spirituality with this program. So I think it's really great for our audience to hear that from you, that you do actually put a foot in both camps, so to speak, and can cross back and forth pretty easily. Well, a lot of the hospitals are using relaxation techniques. They're having relaxation rooms on the floors where they have a heart, you know, unit or they have, you know, a stroke unit. Anywhere there's tension and stress that are causing the underlying issues, they're also using um, meditation recorders. I see them in a lot of the areas. I see holistic healing nurses coming in, doing relaxation meditations with them. So they are responding and they do realize that it works. I sat in a doctor's appointment myself for two and a half hours waiting for the doctor. Most people would have walked out after 20 minutes. And I just sat there and meditated and I was like, hmm. By the time they got me in the room, my blood pressure was so low. He's like, are you awake? Hello? I'm like, I'm fine. He goes, usually people's blood pressure's like, well, the ceiling, what'd you do? I said, I meditated. He goes, you meditate for two and a half hours. I said, it's not hard for me. I said, I could block everybody out. Just put me in my little bubble and I'm good. He goes, your eyes were wide awake when they came out. I asked him if you fell asleep out there. He goes, you sure you're all right? I said, I'm sure, doc. I'm fine. Yeah, He's, two, he's, he's two, two and a half hours late. He needs a little bit of help too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. would have found me in the cafeteria having a cup of coffee, I think. <laughs> You'd have found me at home watching the Packers. <laughs> For all of you not Packer fans, sorry, you're un-American. Just saying. Un-American if you're not a Packers fan. Us hey. Eagles fans just don't count, do we, Tom? <laughs> hey, you're from New Jersey. Nothing counts in New Jersey. <laughs> just joshing, American people. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Lou talked about something cool. Well, what about something scary? When you ever run into something scary uh, as a medium? Um, yeah. We've done some clearings. I used to work with a team in the Philadelphia area. And um, we had a junior medium who was being trained. And the head medium pulled in three entities into his body. We had a paramedic and two firefighters on our team. And I'm telling you, Terry, they made you look like your brothers big, bulky, big guys. Yep. And this other guy was like Tom. You know, 5'10", normal, medium build. Thanks, I he appreciate became, the height change. He became <laughs> incredible. It's like Tom became the Incredible Hulk. And they had three Terry's on top of them with these entities in them. And I had St. Michael, and I was like, why are they doing that? He goes, because they think that's the way it needs to be done. I was like, okay, that's not the way it needs to be done. You're going to help them? He's like, when they asked for it, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting and I'm holding this space and I'm being a good little, I'm good being a good little holding person because that's what I was asked to do. 
So this junior medium steps in and decides he's going to touch the medium that's got all the entities inside of him and pull them out. And I could hear him in his head saying, come and get me. You can't get me. Because he thought he was going to help the other guy out. I was like, oh, no, he didn't. And then the psychic that was the first psychic in line got thrown back about five feet. Well, she literally landed in my arms. So I put her to the side. I was like, okay, you need to hold on to her. I go in and I grab the, the actual medium and the junior medium and I acted as a buffer to try and neutralize the energy. Because I knew I was strong enough that I could push them back and St. Michael could take care of them and get rid of them. The junior medium, literally, when I say literally, he peed himself and pooped himself. I was like, this is why you don't mess with the dark side. He's like, oh, okay, Miss Chris, I won't ever do that again. I mean, he was literally shaken and he was a firefighter. I was like, are you nuts? Like, I told you never ever do that. Oh, okay, it's like the third time we've been to this house because the teenagers wanted to play with Ouija boards and dark spirits and they wanted to play um, that, that game that they all play mirror mirror on the wall like they were playing all that and and the um, board game and I kept saying no I said to them this time is the last time we're coming out we're not cleaning up your mess anymore you bring them in you live with them so the master medium he was like he was like all confused and he looked up and he had like three terries on top of him he's like can your eyes get off of me I can't breathe I was like okay he's like what happened and I told him I said this can't happen anymore it doesn't need to happen this way I said, there's a way to put a ball around them and just send them out. Doesn't need to happen like this. Too much drama, too much danger. But it really scared me because I could feel the entities in between both of them. Right. And I didn't want them getting stuck in me. Anything people out there, listeners, should never do if they're fooling around, you know? Anything they should never do as it relates to the dark side? Any any advice? Just don't open the door. No Ouija boards, no. Oh my God, no. Right. No mirror, mirror on the wall. No, no. Because that's, a, as people call it, a portal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people do talk talk about portals. Where do you find portals in houses if you're helping somebody out? Where do you typically find them? Um. I find them in the backyards. I find them in the houses, in the bedrooms, um, sometimes in the living room, wherever there's a disruption of energy, sometimes in the basement, um, wherever there's a lot of energy that is stuck or there's a lot of arguments or there's negativity stuck there. It could be generational. It could be part of the land. It could be historical. It's there for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, you know, we always say like attracts like. So if there is a lot of confusion or problems or fighting in a house, um, that's going to attract like-minded spirits. Uh, and I don't know that the listeners typically understand that we're sharing a lot of space uh, with other entities, so to speak. And, and we know that it's not hard to figure out, but how do you keep your own space and uh, not allow the, for the sharing or at least negative sharing? Is there anything you would tell people to do? Well, I basically 
tell everybody that you want to do a lot of high vibration energy. I use a lot of crystals. I use a lot of smudging. I use prayer. Um, I work with happiness thoughts and gratefulness every day and every morning and every night. And I work with keeping your vibration personally even. And if you're starting to feel clogged, then your energy for your environment's going to get clogged. You can use candles. Like my daughter likes to sit in the living room and turn the lights low and put on a, a smelly candle. And she's like, okay, mom, we're going to have smelly time. Okay. I use diffusers in the bathroom upstairs because around water is where a lot of energy and negative energy can get stuck. So I put one in the bathroom on the back of the toilet. And I also put one in the kitchen or near the kitchen, you know, so that everything's moving around and you keep a good vibration of good energy going through the house. Gotcha. Sunlight helps too. Sunlight. Sure. Tom, do you have something? No, I'm just listening to it. It's right on the money. So that's really good stuff to, to let everybody know about. Yeah. So if um, <clears throat> let's say somebody does have a um, negative person attached to them, let's, let's say, cause I know that um, these entities uh, or we might call them some kind of a form of energy more scientifically um, are going to attach to sometimes buildings uh, structures and then otherwise to people. What would be the difference? Why would it one attach to a building and one attached to people? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with your emotions and whether your org field is open and clear or if it's cracked. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of stress and you haven't been doing a lot of maintenance with your own energy fields, you're going to end up with issues that you don't realize are there until it's too late. And then you start feeling vibrations that aren't you or have thoughts that aren't you or like temper flares. And you're like, why did I get so mad about that? That's not something I would normally get mad about. Mm -hmm. Or something where, you know, your house was built or there's construction in the house and it opens up old energy. Like I have a Victorian house. And when they opened up walls and floors to redo the kitchen and the bathroom, it was like, whoa, the energy was flying around here. And I was, I was working full time to keep everybody happy and settled. And like the contractors would say to me, um, Miss Chris, our stuff's missing again. Can you get it back for us? I'm like, yeah, I'll work on it. Thanks, guys. What are you missing? <laughs> well, that pile that was over there, I was like, okay, I'll get it back. Give me 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you come back in and it will be sitting there. Sure. Well, and I know for the listeners, you know, some of this, uh, you're like, stuff's missing. You know, how can that be? It's got to be a logical reason for it. Well, it depends on what you think is logical. Uh, you know, a lot of things that uh, you didn't know anything about, and then you found out about them, they become logical at that point. But if you are ignorant of something, then it doesn't make any sense to you. So I would just uh, caution the listeners to you know, become educated if you're interested in that, because that's really important. And I know, Chris, you do some education for little ones, um, especially their parents find that they're listening to somebody hearing something or having the, the ability to do some remote viewing. And for listeners, remote viewing is like being able to see and push your consciousness in another place and look around and see what's there and report back. So, but, um, so when you get the little ones, how do those normally come to you? And what do you initially try to do with those little guys? Well, usually it's the parents that come to me mm -hmm. and they'll have heard from a friend or somebody that, oh, well, there's this medium and she's really funny. You need to go talk to her. Maybe she can help you. And it's usually whispered down the lane is how I get it. 
And they'll come to me and they'll be like, well, we don't know. Like, I think Johnny's doing X, Y, Z. This is the story he told me. Or this is what she said she saw. And they come as young as three and four years old. And I understand that because that's where I came from, that energy field and that knowledge base. So I understand the little children, you know, seeing things that their parents don't quite understand. They don't understand if it's of God, if it's not of God, if it's dark, if it's light, or if the kid's just making it up. And I tell them, I said, the spirit world is part ingenuity, imagination, and part spirit. I said, they see what they see. I said, that's the physical part. The spiritual part is what they know and what they hear here. But you're asking them questions and they're telling you exact answers that they should ha never have the knowledge of. Mm -hmm. Like one little four-year-old was talking to their parents about, when I, when I was old, you were little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody wore black and white. <laughs> it would look like Thanksgiving times, mom. And she lived in Pennsylvania, and her ancestors were Quaker. There you go. That just made all the hair on her head stand up. <laughs> I, would I would imagine it would. If it's your first foray into that, it would really scare you. Well, and I think the other thing is, um, if somebody wants to know if their child is uh, hearing or talking to a playmate, and the playmate's not good compared to something that is good, how do you make that discernment? Well, there's a lot of questions you're going to ask the child. You're going to interview the child in a way that the child understands. And you're going to use your sensors as well to pick up any negative entities, attachments, any tears in the work field or around the house portals. Like I'll survey the house before I even talk to the children to see what kind of energy they're living in. Because children are going to, they're going to go through and balance their own energy based on where their foundation is. So if they're having a negative entity in the house, they're going to see it as normal. They're not going to understand that that's not normal, that that's not of the light. Mm -hmm. So I try to look at the environment they're in and see what their basis for normal would be. And then I actually, there's some um, child psychiatrists and psychologists that I have association with that I use in therap child um, therapists. Um, the one gentleman's finishing up his PhD today. Like he'll be done, um, I think December, he graduates. Um, and he does a lot of work with some of my children to make sure if they get too depressed, because some of these kids see too much. And right. it's very hard to keep them balanced in, you know, what they see as a adult view in a child's mind. Right. Well, we actually, our, our next guest at the next episode is going to be a psychologist. And, and one of the, so if people want to tune in for that, they certainly uh, should look forward to that because we're going to ask those questions. She's a very uh, a standard clinically trained psychologist, but she's also had some experiences. And, you know, the question is going to be, when does a psychologist um, say, you know what, this is not in standard clinical research that I've ever seen. And when do they kind of maybe think about handing them off or at least, you know, getting them to a, 
I'll say some form of clergy that is specializes in the more metaphysical field. So we're going to have that coming up. So what you're talking about is, is a topic that we're going to have in the next episode. And uh, so, you know, I encourage all the listeners to tune in for that because that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Chris, give everybody your uh, website or whatever information you want to get out there in case they need to get a hold of you or maybe they've got a, a little one having some challenges. Um, tell, them, tell them how to get a hold of you www.christinechristinegarganus.com. Okay. So it's all spelled together, Christine Garganus. Yes, sir. Dot com. Okay. And on the website, you will have methods to contact you. Well, there's a um, contact box. There's also a services box. So you can email me from there. You can look at the services that I have listed there. I don't put the children up there as a service because I want people to come to me because they need it, not because they think their child's special. Right. Gotcha. So uh, as we start to close out here, Tom and I wanted to know, you're the medium. Any, any advice for either one of us? Well, I think your podcast is going to do wonderful. And I think you're going to have a lot of attention nationwide and globally. And I do see that you're going to be traveling more in two years, Terry. And I feel like you're going to be doing more entertainment and more moving around. And Tom is going to be more land-based. And I see him move in a regional direction and you pulling him out every once in a while. He wants to get things set up long-term. Good. There you go, Tommy. There we go. Good. Yep. Chris, I have a question for you as we kind of wrap this up. For the clinicians, we talked about it um, a little bit earlier that are classically trained, if they have a child that's hearing voices and such, they would either tell the parents to not worry about it, it's normal, or try to label them with a mental health disorder. Is there a place that clinicians can go to get this educational awareness of what we've been talking about this, this time? There's a lot of clinicians in the Northeast, actually, that have a lot of holistic background that can, that can sit on both sides of the fence and they can hear both sides. If a parent is worried that they're seeing or hearing something that is not normal, they need to contact both in my mind. They need to have a clinician to actually check and see if there's a secondary problem and have a holistic person go in and see if there's fine tuning that can be done, energy or voices, or there's a problem that can be fixed because a lot of times metaphysical problems cause psychiatric problems because it's just too much for them to handle and they don't know how to handle it. So if you can, if you can manage both sides of the fence, you can actually help them keep a balance. Great, great advice. Game approach usually works the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, I could talk to you for hours and uh, uh, we've been known to do that from time to time. So, uh, but for everybody else out listening, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up and uh, uh, Chris's website, I think conversations with Chris, is that what they call it? Is it's your logo conversations with Chris. We just got done with it. So if you found that exciting, uh, give her a call. I'm sure she'd be more than happy uh, to help you out in any which way you can. So uh, Chris, thanks for being on the show, and uh, we will all be back, Tom and I, with uh, our next guest. Um, and again, she's uh, Kathleen Talent, PhD, and psychologist, and she's from the state of Maryland. So uh, look forward to that, and um, awesome. Chris, I'm sure we'll have you back, no doubt about it. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Take care.